It is three o'clock, so we can begin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu nasalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet. May peace be upon him. Uh, just to recap, uh, we're jumping right into the material. Just to recap uh, some of the concepts that we discussed yesterday to, to lay out uh, some foundations to sort of figure out how everything fits together. Uh, uh, I redrew some of, the, or at least one of the diagrams uh, that we had yesterday, and I'll give you a bit of time to, to also um, take a look at it, and then if you choose to also to draw it for yourselves. Unless I just lost it. Oh, here it is, mashallah. Okay. So we were saying first in reverse order that if you were to take the core Islamic sciences, so the core Islamic sciences at the top, so this would be the, the, the purple, lavender, magenta at the right. Uh, what are they? They are the reference sciences, which are essentially uh, uh, the sciences of the Quran, the sciences of the prophet, peace be upon him, uh, often found in the Hadith and the Sunnah, uh, as well as Arabic language. Okay. And then there's others, for example, logic and things like that, but these would be the core, core Islamic uh, sciences. And then we have the, the core practiced Islamic sciences, which, which would be law, uh, purification, tazkia, plus, and sorry, I'm just letting people into the class. Um, uh, law plus purification, plus uh, what we'd call akhlaq and adab, character, in manners, which we would probably would have been better just to call behavior. And then the abstract sciences would be, for example, philosophy, uh, more advanced theology, which we often call kalam or usul uh, as well as history. But what are we saying about all of these big Islamic sciences? Level two is dependent upon level one, and level three is also dependent upon level one. Let's try to make it less uh, confusing. But all of it traces itself back to the Prophet in the Quran, peace be upon them. And the Prophet in the Quran, in particular, we trace back to Al Baqarah and Ali Imran. And then, Al-Baqarah and Ali Imran trace themselves back to Al-Fatiha. And Al-Fatiha traces itself back to the Basmallah, which is Bismillah Rahman Rahim. And the Basmallah traces itself back to the Ba of Bismillah. Good. But it's often easier to understand this forward. I gave it to you in the reverse, that the more thoroughly I comprehend the Bismillah, the, the B of the Bismillah, the more thoroughly I know the essence of Bismillah Rahman Rahim. And the more I know Bismillah Rahman Rahim, imagine these as layers of light, the more bright my understanding of Al-Fatiha becomes. And the more thoroughly I understand Al-Fatiha, then the more I understand the essence of the next two surahs. 
And then the rest of, and by here, by Prophet in the Quran, obviously this whole thing is the Prophet in the Quran. Uh, here we're talking about the rest of the teachings of the Prophet in the Quran, peace be upon them, become branches from that. And then from that, the Islamic sciences formed, the legacy of Islamic scholarship. And another way to try to understand this, now what is the key point here? The key point I'm mentioning for our purposes is that one of the, the blessings of how our whole tradition is structured is that it all traces back to the Quran and the Prophet, peace be upon him. And another way to understand this is if you imagine, okay, here's the ground. Oh, no, where's brown? Okay, here's green. Okay, so here's, here's your ground. Let's say you have this and then you have the roots of a tree. And then you also have the branches of the tree. Down here is Al-Fatiha. And then here are Surahs 2 and 3. And all the rest are all the branches, all the other surahs. And then they, from them, come the other Islamic sciences. And thus, this is why we're putting so much emphasis on getting to know Al-Fatiha in the first part of, of this class. And then part of what we're going to discuss, and we'll give more details when we get to it, uh, uh, part of Al-Baqarah. Naturally, in an ideal world, we go through the whole material. Good. Another point to think about, and by the way, let me know if I'm going too fast on any of this. Some of this is actually review from, from yesterday, just put everybody on the same page. Another point to think about is even though in those diagrams, I'm placing the prophet, peace be upon him, in particular places, on the bookshelf, you might have the Quran, and then next to the Quran, you might have uh, reportings about the Prophet, peace be upon him. And, and so that would be the Sira, his biography, the collection of Hadith, etc., the commentary, the comments and practices further of the companions, the Afar. But a point I want you to think about is that you truly cannot separate the Prophet from the Quran. On paper, you can, on a bookshelf, you can. But a point again yesterday is think back to how the Sahaba gained their Islam. They gained their Islam of uh, the Quran from the same source, and then they gained their, their Sunnah from the same source. Good. Naturally, as I mentioned, there were times when the companions asked them, okay, is this revelation? that's compelling you to speak. So for example, when the Muslims are, are setting up for the Battle of Badr, and the Prophet says, okay, why don't you set up the camp over here? And then the companions ask them, uh, is this coming from Wahi? Because if not, we would suggest you put it up there. Good. And so they're also asking for clarification. And of course, if you listen to the Hadith narrations versus the Ayat, they do sound qualitatively differently. But the point I want you to try to imagine is that we often reduce the Prophet, peace be upon him, to a mailman who's bringing the Qur'an. But I'm saying the Qur'an, his, he is the first audience of the Qur'an. So now this is something new. 
So the target audience of the Quran. Uh, somebody tell us what is who or what is the primary audience, the secondary audience, and then the third or the tertiary audience of the Quran. Anyone, feel free to either turn off your microphone or to type in the chat box. And we're all we're all buddies here, so don't don't feel uh, embarrassed in case your answer is wrong. Anyone? Who wants to guess? You're all gonna say, "Oh yeah." Prophet Sahaba. Okay, very good, Hanif. So uh, part one is correct. The target audience of the Quran, the first is, of course, the Prophet himself, peace be upon him. And the second would be the Arabs in general of, give or take, the 600s. Okay. And specifically the Arabs of the Arabian Peninsula, which includes the, those who follow the Prophet, which would be the Sahaba, and then everyone else. So one question I often get <clears throat> is, isn't the Quran patriarchal? Good. And uh, you know, doesn't it seem to favor men, whether we're talking about pronouns or the laws and such? And then the response I give is that you can make that argument, but if we're going to take it to its full conclusion, it's preferring Arabs over non-Arabs. How do we argue this? That the text is in Arabic, right? Uh, so Sana Arabs at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, correct. Uh, uh, so it's in the, it's in it's in the Arabic text. So if we're going to argue that it seems to favor men, we have to argue first that it favors the Arabs. And which Arabs? It's the Arabs of that particular dialect of Arabic. And then uh, we could argue through that logic that it seems to be arguing in favor of men. Then we have the very famous narration of Umm Salama, wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him who is making such a comment. And then we have this full page long uh, ayah that she received uh, in Surah Al-Ahzab, the believing men, the submitting men, the submitting women, the believing men, the believing women, the obedient men, the obedient women, so forth and so on. Can you uh, nod if you can hear me now? Okay, very good. Okay, mashallah, we're back. Okay, so so the point I was making, that's a side point uh, about questions like patriarchy and, and such norms, but the point, uh, the bigger point is that the first audience of the Quran is the Prophet himself, peace be upon him. And then by extension, it's the people that he is speaking to. And then it is everyone else. Okay. So, so we spoke yesterday about Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, or we spoke yesterday about the B, and what we emphasized 
was the idea of connection. And a point I want you to consider is connection is one of the central, central aspects of the entirety of the Islamic tradition. Connection. Primarily, your connection with Allah Ta'ala. And another term we can use is relationships. And we're going to be revisiting this quite a few times. Your relationship with Allah, your relationship with the Prophet, may peace be upon him. And then by extension, your relationship with family, with, with society, with nature, etc. And then we also made the point that those things that get categorized as sins are things that break our relationship, whether with Allah or with the Prophet, peace be upon him, although the sins just because Allah says they're sins. And those things that are, that are commanded behaviors are things that strengthen relationships. And so now let's take this a step further. Suppose, so we're saying that one of my primary relationships your primary of all relationships or your primary connection is with Allah. So here's a question and all your answers are going to be correct, but how would you answer this question? Someone comes to you and says, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to have a relationship with Allah. What should be the first thing that I do? So let's say some complete stranger comes up to you. Obviously, they're social distancing, so they're asking you this from about six feet away. And they're saying, you look like you're a Muslim. Yes, I am, mashallah. Okay. I want to have a relationship with God. What's the first thing that I should do? And all your answers are going to be correct, but let's hear some of your answers. Read the Quran, prayer. Yeah, these are all good answers. Right, good. What else? And feel free to turn on the microphone if you'd like. Uh, believe in God. Yeah, that would be a good step. Any other guesses, thoughts? How would you answer this question? Again, feel free to uh, unmike. Get to know God. Oh, nice, Hanya. Hanya actually has the most accurate answer. The first step to have a relationship with Allah, and yes, to believe in the prophets and the messages, yeah, all of that is, is correct. And so what I'm suggesting is the first step is to get to know Allah. And that also means to get to know who is Allah and who is Allah not. And so how do we do that in our tradition? Get to know his attributes. which we might also call his names. So that's the very, very first step. I need to know who is God. I need to know who God is not. This would be like the asking the question, do Muslims, Christians, Jews, Hindus all believe in the same God? The answer is partially yes, partially no, depending upon how we frame it. If we say everyone believes in the creator, sole creator of the universe, then we'd say yes. But then as we all know, okay, in terms of the role of Isa alayhi salam, the role of Jesus, then, then it's a very, very different uh, uh, path. So <clears throat> attributes and names. And so the first attribute or the first name to get to know is Allah. So a little bit about the name Allah. 
And those of you who've taken my academic classes, you've gone through this with me. Uh, there are two theories of the history of the name of law. One is that Allah was always known as Allah. Another is that it's a contraction of Al-Ilah. And we're going to define Ilah in just a moment. Now, before getting into the, the history, part of the reason we're going to go through the history is more to define what we mean by Ilah. But one thing that is very important in our tradition is that the name Allah, we often give it the title, the name itself, the most majestic word or utterance. Meaning of all the things you can possibly say, you know, good words, bad words, etc. The most majestic thing you could say is the name Allah. And then by extension, we would say anything that Allah has revealed, like the Quran itself. So, so this is some of you've heard from me in previous classes. One interesting contrast between Islam and Judaism is that in Judaism, the name of God is so sacred that you cannot say it. It is above what humans can say, except certain, certain people on certain days. Yet in our tradition, we are saying it is so sacred, this is the best thing you can say. That there is nothing more sacred, nothing more majestic than to sit, put the name of Allah on your tongue. And then sometimes those of us who fall into the problem of saying bad words, keep in mind the same tongue you're using to say the name of Allah, you're also using to say bad words. And so our goal, inshallah, is to get rid of the bad words and replace it only with the good. Okay. So, so this is one very, very important point about the name Allah. And so one theory is that the name Allah has always been around. But now let's talk about this term, ilah. So you all know this term because this is part of the declaration of faith. La ilaha. There is no God, illallah, but Allah. So we often translate it as God, lowercase g. And again, this is going to be a review for those of you who have taken my academic classes on Islam because it's covered in pretty much every single class or every single course. I'm going to give you five definitions of the name Allah. Not of, I'm sorry, of the name ilah, of the word ilah not necessarily in any particular order. <clears throat> One is whatever you rely upon above all else to take you from danger into safety. So whatever you're relying upon to keep you into safety or whatever you're relying upon to take you from danger into safety is what you take as an ilah. So for example, common example I give is suppose you go camping and you're gonna, for safety, you might carry a knife with you, might have your cell phone, might have some money, more than that, you might have a tent. You gotta bring food, water, blanket, etc. Uh, some supplies to cook with. 
And suppose there's a horrendous, and you're in the middle of the forest. Suppose there's this horrendous storm and you wake up and everything is gone. Then what might you rely upon? You might rely upon your instincts to help you get through. Okay, I'm trying to figure out where the sun is in the sky. So, all right, if the sun is in that direction, then I got to walk in this direction. And, and let's say you realize after walking that you're totally confused. Okay, for all you know, you've been walking in circles for a couple days. Then what do you rely upon? At that point, you have nothing else. Some people will fall into despair and give up. Here we're saying, this is where you discover what you truly take as an ilah. And so do you, do you pray? Okay, do you turn to Allah? You know, help me with this. Okay, of course, you're going to be making prayers to Allah throughout the entire process. But you'll also have worldly tools uh, for purposes of safety. But what happens when you lose all the worldly tools and your intellect isn't helping you? That's when you discover what your ilah is. Or whatever it is you turn to to take you from despair into hope. is what you take as an ilah. So, you know, in our society, a lot of people will turn to alcohol to take them out of despair. Or might turn to drugs, might turn even to social media or something else to get out of despair. But you and I know that if you turn to alcohol to take you out of despair, you're intoxicated for a while, but then the intoxication goes away and then you're back to where you were. So then you drink more. Or if you're turning to narcotics, same thing. They're gonna turn to this as a way to self-medicate, as a way to escape. But then it wears off, so you need either more or you need stronger, stronger uh, substances. And so part of what we're saying here, when we're saying there is no God but Allah, part of what we're saying is, Anything you're turning to in your core to fulfill these basic needs, nothing but Allah can fulfill them. And as we'll discuss over the course of this course, people will turn to all kinds of other things that will not fulfill them. Also, something that's especially important today with all the fake news and speculation that's going on, whatever it is you turn to above all else to take you from confusion into clarity. So you go to social media, and you're going to hear every type of conspiracy theory about COVID-19. You're going to hear all kinds of supposed reports from scientists. This is going to go on for two years. This is going to go on for a year, plus the politicians, plus the pundits and everything. And it creates all kinds of confusion. And one way you can cut down on the confusion is just take yourself off of social media. Right? I was actually you know, on a social media sabbatical until this, this, uh, this whole thing, um, this pandemic started. And I thought, all right, things are going to go crazy. Let me, let me put in my hat to help at least calm people down, which probably I didn't do well. But that's a separate point. But what are we saying here? That your intellect is also going to take you so far. But there's a level beyond that that your intellect cannot take you to. That's the realm of revelation. Okay. So whatever it is you rely upon to take you from confusion to clarity, whatever it is you rely upon, the way a baby relies upon mother for comfort. And so we might rely upon our friends. We might rely upon, again, a lot of us do all uh, turn to our phones for a lot of these things. Okay. And then you lose all that, then what do you rely upon? And the more comfort you have with Allah in your heart, as we're gonna see, the more it's gonna be easier to navigate life. Okay. 
The big one is whatever you worship. And so, so now let's talk about this term, worship. So otherwise, what you're relying upon for safety, hope, clarity, comfort, and whatever you're turning to in worship, above all else, is what you're taking as an ilah. So this term, worship, which in Arabic is ibadah, sometimes I add the H, sometimes I don't, the <coughs> At one level, it means to submit, surrender, enslave yourself. Deeper than that, what does it mean? It means to give your most extreme love. This is worship. So worship at one level, it means you're surrendering yourself. God says do and you do. Okay. As though you don't even have a choice in the matter. And deeper than that, what are we saying Ibadah actually means? It means to give your most extreme love. So to help make sense of this, let's talk about love. So one thing that's very fascinating about Arabic, Arabic has something like five dozen words for love, maybe even more. Okay. And I'm gonna give you a couple just to get a sense. It's not as important that you remember this. Okay. So one level of love might be what we generally in English call love. Okay. So you love your, your beloved, your spouse, your, your sibling, your friend, your parent, your child. And what do you do? You find joy in thinking about them. You want to be in their company. You don't like to be away from them. All this is part of love. You might change yourself to be what they are preferring. And then ishq is sort of like passionate adoration. You're in awe of your beloved to the point that you might even take leave of your senses. It's like what it's like the fire that keeps you alive. Ibada is complete loving surrender. So this is the relationship we are aspiring to with Allah. But part of the point we're making here, and again, feel free if I'm going too fast, if you need me to slow down or repeat anything about means, part of the point we're making here is that everybody takes something as an ilah. It might even be multiple things. Uh, repeat your point, repeat a point about the comfort. So one of the ways to figure out what you take as an ilah is what do you rely upon above all else for comfort? And so here we're talking about where comfort within. And so everyone takes something as an ilah. So we see these protesters uh, who, who are not even wearing masks and they have not just American flags, but sometimes even Confederate flags that they're literally putting themselves in danger 
defiantly. So they're listening to something above science, above the politicians, above the general sentiment in our society. So what are they taking as their ilah? It could be their preachers. It could be their nationalism. Or then there was a story yesterday about this giant party of a thousand people on the west side of Chicago. And if you look at the photos, there's like one person in a, in a mask. Uh, what are they perhaps taking as their ilah, potentially? Uh, their nafs, their, their appetites, right? I'm going to party no matter what. I don't care if it even puts me in danger. So we're saying, even if I claim to be an atheist, I am taking something as an ilah. And so the goal is to take Allah as my ilah. So if you understand all of this, what have we just explained? That the very first step we talked about yesterday is to understand the B. And then we said, all right, so this is about connection in or with. So the first step in my process of having a relationship with Allah, having a connection with Allah, we said, is to get to know Allah by way of his names or attributes. And the first name is to get to know the name Allah, which what we have now just completed. What does it say uh, after the arrow coming after B? Is that ism? Oh, this is ism, the, the Arabic word. Oh, it's some translates his name. So for those who are not familiar, this is literally the first part of the first line of the Quran itself. So yesterday, what did we focus on? We focus on this the literal translation would be in or with. And what we were emphasizing in terms of meaning was connection or relationship. And the first connection to develop is with God. And the first step to do that is to get to know who is God. Alrighty, any other questions about anything at all? Usually for the first couple of weeks, there might be scattered connections, but then um, what you'll notice, um, probably about a third or halfway into this, then the questions are gonna skyrocket, but that's how, that's how the process goes. Afnan is saying, so the ism, uh, I'm missing, Part of it, so you chance are you're still typing. Santiago, you have a question. Feel free to speak if your microphone works. Yes, um, I wanted to ask about like you were talking about these theories about where the name Allah came from. Yes. So when people say that it was always Allah. Mm -hmm. 
like I'm, I'm just thinking about in linguistically and like going way further you know arabic wasn't always a language on earth you know and it it came from things before it like there was yeah. aramaic and there was like proto semitic and things like that so do those people believe that it was always called allah so there you find uh, more in terms of speculation than actual archaeology. Uh, where was this? Uh, uh, that the argument is that it's at least as old as Proto-Arabic. And then how far, how far back does Proto-Arabic go? Allah knows best. And so that's one theory. And there is another theory that this, is, this goes back all the way to the beginning of language, right? Now keep in mind, uh, how do we say Allah in, in Aramaic or Hebrew? In Aramaic, it's, it's Allah with the name. Yeah. So it may include all those variations too. Okay. I mean, another way to think about this in terms I think you, you got muted. It says your microphone is muted, like the, the little mute line is on it. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, sorry. Okay, I, I use two computers and one inevitably uh, 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 crashes. Thankfully, they don't always, they, don't, they rarely crash at the same time. So, so uh, Santiago, I don't know uh, what portions you lost me at, but, or I got lost at, but... Um, the bottom so, part there, God. So here, this is, this is the difference between theology versus archaeology. And, and so some will argue that the name Allah is as old as language. Some will say that there are variations of Allah that are old as language. But what is being emphasized is, sorry, totally lost that one, is that the concept of a supreme being is as old as language. Mm. But again, uh, that part, you know, your, your, your guess is as good as mine. This would be more the realm of the archaeologists to see what they can find. Right? And, and so other things that you might find interesting for everyone else, um, the name in Persian and then imported into Urdu, one of the names of God is Khuda. And Khuda is looked at as being related to the word God, and it means the one before whom there was nothing. So the point is, what are, what are we saying here with part number one? is, yeah, some people are arguing the name Allah is that old, or at least as old as Proto-Arabic, but the concept of God in language is as old as language, which I think is a, a fascinating argument, which is far beyond my skill set to actually argue beyond saying it's cool. So, Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. In fact, I'm going to turn back to this microphone. Okay, can you all hear me if, I, if I'm on this microphone? Okay. So other questions. Does Bismillah means connection with the name of Allah? So Bismillah, 
in its simplest sense is in the name of Allah or with the name of Allah. And so what we're doing is we're going deeper into the function of Bismillah. Okay. That we're using each of these steps as a way to develop a relationship with Allah. At first, if you're not used to this, it's going to be very, very confusing. You're going to find yourself thinking, okay, I've never, you know, been taught anything like this. I don't even understand what's going on. Little by little, it's going to all start, uh, you know, coming together. Uh, so the B is the Ba, which is the connection relationship. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I need to hear a question. Takwa. Let's see. Uh, Mahin, what about Yahweh? Is not the name that they use. So, so essentially, what we're saying is the Tetragrammaton is is the supreme name of of God, which should not be spoken. Uh, the Ism. So the Ism part. So once again, Bismillah. The literal meaning of Bismillah is this right here. In or with the name of Allah. So if I pick up a translation of the Quran and I'm looking at the translation, this is what I will see. And what I'm saying is when we apply the different parts of the surah, what are we developing? How to get a relationship with Allah, which begins by knowing who is Allah. And give it time, give it time. It's, it's, uh, I know it's going to be very, very confusing at first. Any other questions about anything at all? No other questions? Alrighty, then we'll stop right here, inshallah. Uh, first homework assignment is forthcoming. Don't worry, it's coming. You'll have homework. And uh, uh, tomorrow we are going to go further into Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We're going to go further into this, uh, this passage, the first ayah. And the big conversation tomorrow is going to be on this word, Rahmah. Okay, uh, if there are no other questions, we will stop right here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah. Wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. Nashhadu la ilaha illa anta. We bear witness there is no God but you. Nastaghfiruka, we seek your forgiveness. Wa natubu ilayk, and we turn to you. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all for your participation, inshallah. And we will continue same time tomorrow. The link is going to be the same. Uh, and oh, the, the class, uh, actually it's in the, it's in the link itself. I updated the document where I'm going to keep all the recordings and, and try to save. If, if any of you want to contribute your notes, uh, feel free to, to email them to me or to, those of you who are at um, the Loyola MSA, you can put them in the, the WhatsApp group. And then I will also, uh, they're going to be raw. I'm not going to go through them in detail to fix them, but uh, um, I'll also put them in the, in the notes. Okay. May Allah tell you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Keep safe. Wa alaikum wa Thank you.